games and gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everybody to the 343rd episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I'm your Shemuel Humbleos, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8 Bits. And joining me, as is my new favorite tradition, is a man you can be found talking in and out of radios over at Radio Watson or on them socials at Buddy Watson 12. Buddy Watson, how the bloody hell are you? I'm tired. I'm very, very <laughs> tired and exhausted. It has been a week all right like let's not worry let's just rip that band-aid straight <laughs> off then and the week that was tell me about this week tell me about the week that has made you so tired and exhausted and low on energy walk me through it well if you work in retail land like i do black friday sales can be hectic and if you work in games retail like i do and a lot of those games uh deals started a week ago it's been pretty crazy. Last week, uh, definitely busy, but manageable and enjoyable, enjoying how busy it has been uh, and getting through it. But one particular day, in particular last Saturday, was just the worst. It, it was <laughs> it was like the last shift of my week as well. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, the, uh, just overwhelmed with people everywhere. And uh, it was one of those days where you just walk out of work and go, hmm... Can I open seek? Do I have any transferable skills? Uh, it got that bad. <laughs> it got that bad nah. where you were like looking. No, no, no. Definitely not. Just, just mentally, just mentally. Okay. Because yeah. in general, I love my job uh, for most most of the year, uh, except maybe two days a year, and and sometimes it's not even that if it just goes well and uh, busy is fine because mm-hmm. I I love when it's busy and kind of had that energy and a little bit of chaos is good. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those challenging, challenging days. Was it challenging in, obviously it would have been crazy busy. And yes, you get every Tom, Dick and Harry coming out of the woodwork, <laughs> screwing you down for steals and deals. And can you do any more? And, and is that sort of where the, the the pain and the fatigue come from? It's just constantly, not getting beaten down, but I guess getting worn down by these punters that are just rude and don't really care that you're a human and they just want the best deal, even if the best deal is already presented on the on the price tag? Not really. Not for me. Not, not, okay. not in, in, in where I'm working and, and what I'm doing. Uh, I'm generally pretty good. The deals, are, the deals are taking care of themselves. And generally, the customers are good. And sometimes they're fun to talk to and educate and kind of just have a conversation whilst you're helping them with certain things. But uh, and, and generally not rude. I, I, I don't get too many rude customers, touch wood, or bad customers. But it's just one of those ones where you just there was no fun customers and it was just getting busy. It was chaos and uh, the rest of the store, just the people around me, the kind of static noise of just it being busy and the overwhelming amount of people there at once and just the chatter, the 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 overwhelm, like there's the sensations, like there's you know movies playing, there's music over the top, there's people in your ear. It's just it's just chaos, which can be fun sometimes, but uh, this particular day was just. Uh, not so much. No, not so much. <laughs> yeah, it got the overstimulation got to a point of pain as opposed to pleasure, I guess. And, yeah, 
and all those yeah sensory overloads taking place all around you was just a little little much for for Buddy and probably a lot of retail <laughs> on that Saturday on that fateful Saturday of uh, Black Friday weekend. But fear not, man, it's Cyber Monday today, Woo-hoo! and you're not working. That's so right. You're free from the shackles, and maybe we can just talk about if we uh, if we got suckered into the hysteria that is Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and have thrown some money down have we bought anything of note any crazy steals or deals or did we sort of play it safe 100 percent uh we're, we're in baby this is this is also my time of year when it's chaos uh, I'm, I'm i'm on both sides of the coin right i'm helping people it's chaos i work in that in, in environment and then uh you flip the coin and this is also one of the only times of the year when i kind of go ballistic with shopping specifically for clothes shopping um, cause I don't really do too much clothes shopping throughout the year or shoes or anything. Like last year I got like five pairs of shoes that added our store 50% off, um, what the sale price was and ended up being 250 bucks. So that was kind of a steal. But this year, nice. uh, the agenda has been shorts and particularly, uh, living in a Queensland climate weather and the type of shorts that I like, uh, some crazy kind of colors and stuff. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I was like, well, where, where can I go to get some more crazy shorts? And, uh, it turns out industry uh has has a has a bunch of crazy shorts so uh between online and in-store purchases i think i've spent 360 bucks uh i've got what have i got here five maybe six six pairs of sh- or seven pairs okay. of shorts okay um they're pretty good but you know just it's it's an audio podcast but we'll show you we'll show you Lisa. you can get your uh so oh, they are nice. They are like this. Like your are they bright... birds or butterflies? Yeah, or f- it's flowers. It's floral. Oh, it's flowers. So like Jesus. Kind of I got to get my eyes checked. Teal and ochre and orange together. Then we got a white pair that's got kind of florally and Ooh, crazy. I like them. Um, so we've got two there. We've got more of like a navy pair, which once again, they're, they're like listeners. They're like the next evolution of the fabled Hawaiian shirt of the 90s and 2000s. Like they don't look like you'd wear them ironically like a Hawaiian shirt. Like they actually look nice. Like I'm a fan. That's he's, right. he's got a little fashion show on for me right now. That's, and that's is, right. He's impressive. Uh, I didn't have time to kind of change into it and do a runway walk for you every now and then, <laughs> but um, uh, at least I can kind of uh, show you the shorts. And I've got one bright and massive uh, pink one that are kind of like um, board shorts material coming that are kind of the okay. same length. Yep, yep. So kind of evolution of uh, growing up in the late 90s to early 2000s everything was loose and cargo and everything like that and uh as i kind of got older kind of okay you know i've got nice legs i like uh shaving them uh uh keeping them nice and smooth and looking nice and in summer get a tan so uh the shorts have just been getting shorter and uh the clothes have been getting i guess uh fitting better and and a bit more a bit more tighter I love that. I love that. And yeah, get those pins out. Show the world those sexy legs come, well, summer is on the doorstep, literally. So uh, yeah, you can make everyone jealous in those shorts and showing them pins off in a matter of days when uh, we when we tick over to summer. I, I've i done similar, not on the short front, but I've bought many an article of clothing over yes. the weekend and, and even through last week because the sales sort of kicked off a little earlier online, which I'm always thankful for. Mm-hmm. If I can avoid having to go to a mall, I will avoid having to go to a mall at any cost. So yeah, I jumped on and uh, Culture Kings was the one that got me big this year. Uh, I think I spent collectively 500 bucks on their give or take a little bit. But off that, I got two pairs of shoes, six jackets, two hoodies, seven t-shirts, and I think two or three pairs of pants. Like there was some crazy deals going on. And so I made out like a bandit and it all arrived on Friday. So I did a little fashion show for myself at home. (laughs) And annoyingly, 
I bought some of the same same shirts from they've got like this I can't remember it's like something crew that they call it and so I bought a few different shirts in a large and then a few in a medium because like I'm in this weird flux where I've lost a little bit of weight some stuff medium fits good large doesn't and then it does yep. depending on the brand so I chucked on these large t-shirts now too big I'm not huge on like the baggy t-shirt type of vibe because I know it just makes me feel like I'm bigger again so I avoided yep. that but then I put the mediums on and it felt like I was wearing like my sister's clothes from when she was 10. So there's just this crazy, crazy gap between a medium and a large on this particular line of t-shirts from um, from Culture Kings, which is a bit frustrating, but it is what it is. But outside of that, That's I also wild. jumped on and, and bought a ton from Amazon, just a heap of like homewares and knickknacks and snacks and crap like that as they always get me on. So that's on its mm. way. And what else have I bought? I think that's it. It's funny, like, you know, this is primarily a video game podcast or a pop culture podcast. And <laughs> n- neither of us bought like, oh, you bought a ton of ton of films, but well, I haven't bought a thing that from the, the gaming space. Want. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can go. Uh, we can go there. All right. So, so collectively uh, across Amazon uh, and then obviously DVD and Blu-ray and 4K retailers, I'm doing the math right now. And I think I brought 60... 4K slash Blu-ray slash DVDs. Uh, very minimal level of DVDs because they were rare and super um, cheap. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the total is 60. 60. Yeah, that's uh, that's 60. not some small time purchasing right there. That's that's some big dick energy. You are you are in there swinging <laughs> around all those discs and people are ducking for cover. 60. 60 films. 60. I'm impressed. So yeah, I've got most of them. I'm still waiting on 11 from Amazon. I'm still waiting on two from Play DVD uh, from Melbourne. Um, shout outs, get them sent up there. Uh, on top of that, I've also got two more shirts coming from Rebel Sports, four more from uh, Threads. So I'm doing the math for how much of money I've spent this week. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's chaotic. <laughs> You'd almost think there's not like a cost of living crisis happening right now. No. And this is the thing. We just uh, hide, hide those distractions and those depressing thoughts about the cost of living by purchasing and drowning in in purchases tied the emotions. So I get it. It's a vicious cycle. The more you you buy, the more you save. Yeah. I I remember this one quote that my dad said when I was young and I've sort of taken it with me through 37 years of life so far. It's probably stupid now. I'm going to say it out loud, but he sort of said, if you're not in debt or you're not spending, you're not living. And I'm like, you know what? That's true. But then at the same time, you sit there and go, man, debt can be crippling. So I need to sort <laughs> of- you sitting on the couch uh, late at night eating two-minute noodles. <laughs> yeah. I'll, and I'll enjoy every bite of those meager eggs. But yeah, uh, yeah, thanks, Pop Rick, for that good slash bad advice. Uh, some advice that I can give to you all, though, is to check out Thirsty Suitors, which yes. I've been playing. Because yeah, we haven't done much gaming this week between us. <laughs> like we were talking offline, what's new, anything we've touched- and I thought I had to try something because I've been playing a lot of Diablo 4, still loving that. But I thought, let's let's sort of crack the top on something. Spider-Man 2 was still intimidating me as far as jumping in at this point. So I'm like, what can I do? Thirsty Suitors, it's available on Xbox Game Pass. I'm already paying for the service. So I get the game as part of, part of that fun. And it's this really interesting, heartfelt game from Outer Loop. And it's about culture, relationships, family pressures, and also just, I guess finding where you fit like as far as self-expression and and where you fit in in life and it's really great you play you play this girl named jala who is dealing with you know demanding parents a recent breakup she's pretty much ghosted all her friends so she's really on the outer 
and shit's gone down and she has to go back to her hometown and try and rekindle these relationships. So there's a nice human element to it. And you're trying to, to sort of juggle and manage the expectations of your family and your friends. But the funny thing, and it also ties neatly into us talking about Scott Pilgrim last week, is that you do battle throughout this game where Jala is confronting all of her exes and you deal with them in like turn-based battle sequences. It almost <laughs> ties into a rhythm game, but the voice acting and the music that ties all this together is super, super funky, super, super fun. And it keeps a really good pace. Like I've nearly finished the game. I've taken down the majority of the X's and I've made some real progression with Jala and her story. And, and I've been really enjoying it because there's a cooking mechanic in there. Anytime there's a cooking mechanic in a game, like sign me up, I've, you've got my attention. So throwing that in there where you're trying to win your mother's love and affection by cooking her fabled recipes and, and cooking them, like timing the button presses and the, <laughs> the joystick rotations to not burn things but then you can put some multipliers on it to make the, the food spicier and more interesting and appealing to your mum and your parents. It's just really fun. The art style, super vibrant. They run a lot of neon through the color palette. The voice acting, awesome. The soundtrack is awesome. And it's just sort of really come out of nowhere for me. I remember seeing it announced maybe a few months ago mm. at one of the little indie showcases and whatnot, but I sort of forgot about it until I saw it pop up on the on the release list the last week or so. But it's super cool. And then they weave in navigating around this town. You've got some like a skateboard mechanic in there. So Jala's cruising around on a skatey. It feels like very Tony Hawk-esque where you're jumping around doing tricks, almost like trying to find like not the skate letters of old, but finding certain gifts around, which can either be a prearranged marriage person that you never have to fight because your nan has brought him to town, or it could actually be like, some some gift like currency and, and um, inventory and stuff like that. But it's really fun. And the level of emotion that this game has as well, like it's it's really endearing and really heavy at times with some of the conflict that Jal is dealing with. And I just loved it, man. Well, I'm, I'm loving it so far. Like I haven't rolled credits yet, but I feel like I'm really close. But it's been a little surprise packet for me the last few months. It's been exactly what I've been hankering for, even though I didn't know I needed an Indian Bollywood theme. <laughs> turn-based romance drama but i'm all for it i love how many kind of mechanics they throw at this game and when it was announced it was also you know kind of took my interest as well um just the art style and how the skateboarding and cooking and everything and roaming around the town yeah it looks really cool i hope to get to it's, it one day yeah, it's really fun man like it's it's on all platforms so whether you're a pc gamer on switch on xbox or on playstation they smartly dropped it cross-platform and it's really worth your time. Like if you've got a Game Pass subscription already, chuck this on your download queue and just spin it up when you've got some time because it's very unique as far as most of the churn that I've worked through this year from a genre and a, and a title perspective. So it sort of really stands apart for me as far as what I've been playing. And yeah, just checked all the boxes. And I was really enjoying it over the weekend when I fired up because I was sitting there going, man, I need to play something for the pod to talk about something <laughs> fresh. Please be good. Please be good. And within like five minutes, I'm like, I made the right choice. This is great. Give me more of this. And yeah, it's just a time. I, I was pissing myself laughing. I got a little teary in a few moments and it just juggles those emotions really, really expertly. So yeah, out of loop. Hat tip to you. Good dev studio. Awesome. But that's all I've been playing that's new. 
You haven't been playing oh, anything. Man, I haven't you played anything. <laughs> yeah, I just chucked it on there now, but I haven't played anything new, which sucks. But um, what happened was I did play more Spider-Man and more than what I thought I did. Because last week I only kind of played the opening um, in, up to the kind of introduction of, of Craven into the story uh, for people who know when that is. Uh, it's not too far in the game, but I've kind of done a little bit of roaming around the city and kind of going to some of the like the side missions or collectibles, the photos that you have to find uh i've mm-hmm. opened up like the prowler <clears throat> missions as well which are kind of like puzzle solving and environmental puzzle solving to kind of access a certain room on a building or um to kind of get the resource point there so i'm really getting sucked in doing that and just kind of uncovering the map and kind of traversing around and blink and i missed it and all of a sudden it was like 3 a.m um, gotcha. And I'd be playing it for more than what I thought, and I think I'm like 17% through. So I haven't really done too much, but I think I've done six or seven of the 31 story missions. But I seem to be just opening up the map, and every side mission that becomes available uh, at that point, I just go around the map and do all the side missions. It's probably not the most like time productive way to play the game. I should just be, you know, kind of progressing it, and then when a few more things open up in each kind of. Uh, regions or, or whatever then i should, should should be doing it there but kind of just getting addicted to doing it and it's kind of keeping and holding my attention more than what i what i thought it would and the story beats that are kind of taking place at the moment kind of jumping between miles and peter um and the kind of i guess the links to the previous games it seems really coherent and kind of engaging so um it's wanting me to push through the story part as well so um I didn't go back to it because I played a lot of Last of Us since then because uh, work has been kind of crazy. I just wanted to zone out. But um, the yeah, portion yeah. that I did play, it kind of really did hook me. So um, the more I'm playing with Spider-Man, the more uh, impressed I'm getting. So I think I just need to take the plunge. I need to get out the web slinger and just whip it out there and just fly. So may- maybe that'll be my commitment this week between episode 343 and 344 is I'm going to rip that Band-Aid off and I'm going to jump back in and... Uh, live my best Spider-Man life because the more I hear about it and the more I see, and obviously the, the fact is getting so much positive press around a potential you know, game of the year winner in, in various, in various uh, award outlets makes me think I need to play it. I'm doing a disservice if I don't, but I just got to pick and choose my battles because it's getting really close to the end of year, but Spider-Man, I got to play it because I loved the first one and I loved Miles Morales. So I don't know why I haven't jumped into it. I'm an idiot. I just keep watching anime. That's my problem. <laughs> I watch too much anime. Well, no, I don't watch too much. You can never watch too much anime. I watch a lot of anime, but it just takes my attention to, to better places than gaming at the moment. We all have but, our uh, vices. Yes, we do. And yeah, anime has got every part of me firmly tightened up in a vice. And I even went back and rewatched Suzume uh, last week, which is now available on Crunchyroll for anyone that hasn't peaked it at the cinemas. I was fortunate enough to check it out at the cinemas as well. And obviously this is the the most recent film done by Makoto Shinkai, who's done things like Weathering With You and Your Name. It's probably the two biggest ones that you'd know if you wanted to attach him to something. Your Name is, is often talked about as one of the best so anime good. films of all time. And Suzume is right up there with it, man. Like, I don't know. Have you watched Suzume? I saw this at the cinemas and it is <laughs> so obscure and bizarre and weird, but normal like it, it it all fits and it all works yeah yeah None that's the first way to describe place it. at all 
yeah, it's it's out of place but perfectly in place at the same time. And obviously the animation is absolutely stunning. Yep. First and foremost, the voice acting. I watched it in the cinemas in, in Japanese, but they've since released it on Crunchy and you can check out the, the dub if you want as well. So I've watched both versions, both equally as effective at conveying those emotions and making me feel all the things. Uh, but yeah, this this film is so great. If you haven't checked it out, it's really, really, really enjoyable. It's it's emotional. It's funny and quirky at times. It's that great tried and tested coming of, coming of age sort of fantasy film that that anybody of any age could enjoy, whether you're a young kid, middle aged, elderly potentially, depending on your eyesight. But uh, yeah, it's just a hell of a time. And yeah, Makoto Shinkai has just got this formula down to a very fine art. It feels like he knows how to make these emotionally impactful films that are enjoyable and have meaning and have a good pacing to it as well. Like even though it does go for two hours, it it moves at a pretty good pace and it's made a ton of money. Uh, I think it's like the fourth highest grossing Japanese film of all time. If I remember right. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he does next, but yeah, it's a hell of a time. I love Susan May the film. I love Susan May the character. She's just a beautiful little soul and I cannot get enough of this. And yeah, peek it if you haven't already because it's on Crunchyroll now. And yeah, it's two hours. Well worth the investment, I must say, Mr. Watson. Very, very much is. Yeah. Anything you've been watching you want to highlight? Not a lot, but the one thing that did pop up when I was having dinner the other day, popped on Netflix, kind of just, you know, watch something short until I can jump, mm-hmm. you know, finish dinner and then jump back onto The Last of Us and zone out for a while. Uh, it was actually Batman, the animated series uh, from the 90s has been added to Netflix. I don't know when that was, but uh, it's the first time I've kind of seen it pop up there. So I added that to the watch list, uh, watched the first couple of episodes of that and just quietly reminded how brilliant it is in every single way. The big thing I noticed from watching those two episodes, because it's, you know, always the animation and kind of the... Uh, the technique of you know how they drew on black paper and 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 made it let's give it kind of that gothic look and feel behind it as well. But the one thing that really stood stood out to me this time watching those two episodes was just the soundtrack and how much heavy lifting it does, and not heavy lifting in a way that you know the the it, it's bad or anything, but just how it's complementary in every single way. Mm-hmm. And it's just orchestral, and there's a lot of times where there is just no dialogue, and I didn't realize that or remember that. Um, from watching the show in the past but just during the fight scenes and kind of sleuthing scenes um just yeah the soundtrack is just amazing and i, I don't know why i kind of have, have forgotten that in the past but yeah, it's just kind of highlighted i'm keen to see how my appreciation for it uh where how that goes uh as, as i watch more because i think there's like 60 plus episodes so it's not super like it's still an investment but it's not super crazy especially when the episodes are only like 20 20 plus minutes so uh, i'm pretty keen to use that as my kind of like while i'm eating or kind of zone out type thing and 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 bust in a few episodes here or there so uh, i definitely think i'll be watching more it, it's a good time and it was very ahead of its time as far as superhero based animation or just cartoons in general in in the 90s like it was one of the more mature themed ones at a lot of times yeah. even though it was on like i think we watched it on like kids wb or something as as youngins or whatever it was back in those days so yeah a lot of the darker themes and, and concepts you probably went over our heads as, as kiddos but mm. re-watching now you're like holy shit and like the voice work that kevin conroy does as batman is fantastic mark hamill is the joker like 
they're such a legendary pairing together throughout those those several seasons that they did. Um, yeah, it's, it's another one. Well worth the time. I think it's only dropped on Netflix the last week or so because yeah. I was skimming Netflix over the weekend too and I saw that that was like on the recently added. I'm like, oh, hello. Maybe I'll do a rewatch of this as well sometime soon. So I added some other watch list because yeah, I had a great time. I've watched it, I think, twice over the years, once as a kid and then once maybe a decade or so ago mm. back then. But yeah, it's it's good viewing, some really good storytelling and yeah, some of the character development they do with some of the the great villains that we've come to know and love and despise over the years is, is expertly done by the team there in uh, yeah Batman the Animated Series. So uh, good call on peaking that. Yeah, and the introduction of Harley Quinn came from that series and it was just like a peak kind of era for comic book animated shows. If you take in like the Amazing Spider-Man um, show and kind of the storytelling they did that, especially across different episodes and how they um, had uh, long-term storytelling in that. And then your old X-Men series as well and how they're going to be doing X-Men 97 next year. So hopefully that's just kind of gets me in the mood for that to come back. I certainly hope so. X- X-Men still probably narrowly my favorite out if we're talking those that big theme three song, man. That theme song. Yes, it slaps. It's just, <laughs> it's so, so naughty and so sexy and just all of the, like it very much toes the line of being maybe too nasty or too mature for kids at times, but yeah, it's so yeah, so good. So yeah, I can't wait for ninety seven next year. I hope I've got my fingers and toes crossed right now, listeners, that it's executed the way you all hope it is, and it's not just like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe the original wasn't that great anymore. Now we're getting like a fresh fresh perspective on it in a way. But I'm hopeful. The eternal optimist. Yeah, and I think those worked because of the rogues gallery of like Batman villains, uh, even Spider Man villains as well. And um, I guess with the X Men, they they have such a like a, a big cast of characters too. Like just they were all great characters in that show. There was kind yeah. of no like filler characters or you're running out on certain threads early. If you think about like Superman, they have like a, for me, I think they just like, there's a few top villains in Superman and then you yeah. kind of into the dregs. I never really feel like Batman or Spider-Man um, get too much into the dregs. Like everyone's kind of is really interesting. And that's the great thing with some of these comic book universes is yeah, it's not just the only person you're ever dealing with is, joker or apocalypse or green goblin like there's such a diverse assortment of baddies they can wheel out that are all equally as cool and vile in their own ways which which i'm all for it's not just yet yeah, magneto versus x-men <laughs> the seven thousandth time it's <laughs> mr sinister and and all these other cool dudes so i hope we do get mr sinister in the live action adaptations or you know mcu pulling x-men in soon enough because yeah mr sinister is a bad bitch and I heard uh, John Hamm actually wanted to play Mr. Sinister. And I'm like, I'm down for that casting. Let's go. Sign me up. Get the ham in. Like, get the ham in more things. He's great. I've, was, I finished the, the latest season of Morning Wars or the Newsroom for American oh, yeah, listeners. Yeah. He's great in that. Like, he plays a prick really well. Obviously, that's like one of his best archetypes that he can just nail as that sort of smug, handsome prick. And he's got it down to a fine art. He was really good in the latest season of Morning Wars. Yeah, nice. But yeah, that's what we've been doing. Let's talk about what the industry has been doing. News and notes from around the internet presented by Audio-Technica. All right. So listeners just wanted to be fully upfront here and say that it is uh, lean out there as far as news and notable rumors and, and things doing around the water cool that we can talk about from a gaming perspective. But the first one I've grabbed, I've just not the best headline, but I've said mobile gaming be dangerous. 
And a recent report reveals that 83% of mobile games fail within three years of launch and 43% are cancelled during development. The study, based on interviews with 500 game developers in the United Kingdom and the United States, notes that most mobile games peak in revenue within the first year, with only 4% peaking in the second year. Lack of regular updates is a contributing factor, as 38% of developers don't release them. (laughs) Only 5% of games receive support seven years post-launch. Despite challenges, 78% of mobile game developers prefer working on new titles, but 30% find the current market too difficult to succeed in, citing layoffs and downsizing. Superscale founder Ivan Transic sees the report as a wake-up call for the industry, providing actionable data for maximizing revenue across game portfolios. Notably, even successful developers like Niantic, known for Pokemon Go, have faced challenges with layoffs and cancellations impacting their subsequent releases. So first and foremost, buddy, are you a mobile gamer? I don't think I've ever asked or I've never talked mobile gaming. Have you got a, a certain mobile game? I like to call them snap games because it's games you can play on the toilet while you're snapping one off. But are you a mobile <laughs> gamer? Have you got a title that you go to sort of daily or weekly or whatever your frequency? I don't. I actually deleted all the games that I used to have on my phone off off of them. And Damn, the only okay. the only games that I used to have like were kind of puzzle and word kind of challenges. So I had Kokuro, um, which is like Sudoku with numbers um so i I liked doing the math things there and filling out that kind of the the grids and uh there was a few other ones that were like kind of mind games or brain games you could down like an like an app that has 50 different types and filling in the trees or doing this and doing that so it's all kind of logic and brainstorming and that kind of stuff so those are the kind of things that kind of stimulated me maybe it was kind of uh, a look into my mind and how I play video games as well, like being a big fan of like The Witness and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but not really uh, a big mobile gamer at all. I think I was uh, the one of the ones I played was like Super Mario Run when that came out. It actually came oh, out, yeah. the year that came out, it came out on my birthday and I had that my day off and don't think I had the iPhone. Oh no, they had a, de- it was coming out that week and they had a demo at the Apple store that was playing so before like a week before it came out and it was on my birthday that that came out so i'm like oh cool i have the day off and i actually drove to the apple store just to play super <laughs> mario run on like their demo kind of their demo you are unit. a sicko you are a sicko <laughs> so i was like I oh it. cool i want to i want to play it so um yeah that was a bit of fun i just like and because they got so many phones there and devices and everything and, and a million stuff like it's not like i was like hogging a device that no one else could yeah, play yeah. so yeah i just like played so much of so, so much of that at the <laughs> apple store before it even came out um, i love that <clears throat> and then the that's the best yeah and then the other one was like um apple arcade when i first signed up for that for the for the trial um mini motorways i love mini motorways and um once again it's kind of logic and puzzle solving and town management and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah, don't play a lot, but those type of ones I, I I've enjoyed in the past. Yeah, I uh I I was I was a notorious whale for WWE Supercard <laughs> for a while. Yeah, that took a lot of time and a lot of money off me, but I've since deleted that, so all that time and money has been wasted. That's off the phone. And then I was hyper fixated on Marvel Snap for a good period of last year. I haven't played much of that at all in the last few months. I don't think I've fired it up since probably middle of the year. And my current fixation, as far as mobile gaming goes, is a game called Nikkei, which is like a anime-themed battle girl sim where you have a squad of five girls working your way through a story, killing all kinds of evil creatures, very scantily clad, like it is hypersexualized and very, very <laughs> on the on the cusp of smutty sleaziness. 
but I've been playing that the last couple of weeks and I feel dirty playing it, but I also feel proud that I haven't spent a cent on it. So the whale has been uh, left out to sea. Like I'm, I'm free of the nets, free of the harpoons. They haven't managed to land me uh, so far in Nikkei, but yeah, I've just been watching my little squad of five battle girls voluptuously take down all kinds of baddies in sexually <laughs> suggestive ways and then talk to me because I'm the commander and they get a bit cheeky and want to go on dates and all. It's it's a weird time, <laughs> but like it's a good like half hour a day distraction for me at the moment. So don't judge too harshly. I reckon I'm going to come back next week and you're just going to be animated. Like between what you're watching, what you're playing, it's just going to be uh, hentai Brendan. I wouldn't be sad about that. There's far worse ways to go. So listeners, if you can work out a way to make that happen, hit me up. But yeah, just circling back to this this article, it's kind of scary to think that yeah, 80, well, not scary and not surprising, but like it just further goes to show how volatile the gaming space is, mm. but especially in that mobile space where 83% of games are failing within three years of launch. 43% of the games are getting cancelled during development. So nearly half the games that are getting made don't even make it to see the light of day. I would love to know how many of these people, like first-time developers, uh, how experienced they are, because I feel like mobile gaming, like you were saying before, being the whale and, and you know spending so much money, I've, I don't think I've spent any money in a mobile game ever. Uh, and if I have, I only brought like a one-off purchase when it was for Florence, I think it was. But I'd love to know how many people are getting into this mobile gaming just to kind of it's like a, a scheme like oh let's make a game so we can make money and put the in-game transactions kind of is that is there a correlation between why they are making said game and why it fails versus the the games that are kind of wanting to be made for that purpose so um yeah not surprised at those numbers i guess as far as just video gaming in general and but kind of not surprised uh in the mobile space maybe that's just because of my pessimistic outlook of hey i can make an app here and make money or i'm gonna make a quick game like it you know even i've thought about it like damn surely i could somehow make a game and put it on the playstation to store with an easy platinum like all these games that uh you know myself uh or all the other platinum or trophy hunters buy just regardless of quality because of the small price they have and how quickly you get a trophy I'm like surely i can make one of those and and mm. make some money so give me that quick trophy shaped dopamine hit. Give me that let me hit. get that plat give me that platinum Ping. Stick that plat right in my veins. Yeah, it's um, I'm with you. Like there is maybe not naivety from some of these studios or, or the optimism. Like everyone wants to be positive and hope that they can make something that can change the world or impact somebody or make some money. But it feels like the mobile gaming space is so heavily propped up by the big, not AAA, but the big titles that have some form of global brand attached to it. Like you think of, yeah, Pokemon Go is one that comes to mind. Like your Super Mario runs, like ones where there's a nostalgia or a touchstone there. They're like, I know this brand. Hmm. I love that brand or that character. I'm going to give it a go as opposed to Mary Sue's Adventure Time that no one's ever heard of going, you know what, what's going to differentiate this from the other 75 Adventure Times that have scrolled past? So yeah, there is a lot of risk to it, but yeah, Nikkei seems to be popping off. I think if you can attach to a, <laughs> attach yourself to a, a global brand or just an industry or a subset of culture where just people are thirsting all the time, like that anime Japanese weeb well, hmm. that is a deep well that never runs out of water. So there is there is there is buckets of water to be farmed out of this well for years and years and years to come. And yeah, just just be careful out there, budding game developers, because yeah, I'd like to make something one day, but seeing these numbers you go oh maybe not 
it's kind of a little bit too scary. And if you take out the pessimism of like, oh, well, a lot of these, you know, how many game developers are just making games to try and make money and milk out these microtransactions, take that out and then just like look at the stats as without that kind of uh, underlying thing. It's mobile games and now you've got TikTok and now you've got all these other distractions and the attention span is even shorter for people. And I guess that generation has kind of caught up as well and it's only going to kind of get worse. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh what would you call it? Like that hobbyist landscape where people are looking for that quick distraction or that quick time mm. killer. Yeah. There's, there's a thousand platforms popping up every other day that, that kids and, and adults alike can get uh, invested in and, and go down those rabbit holes. So yeah, it's, it's very competitive for, for not only the game space, but yeah, just the, the, the phone interaction space in general, because um, yeah, you can do everything on there. You can play there are people Resident are Evil watching, on there now. There are people that are watching movies on TikTok. So the movies are cut into a into a phone like thing into a nine by sixteen. Yeah, oh my God. and then they get getting like summarized in like parts or whatever. I hate society sometimes. <laughs> like I get it. I get you want everything as quick as you can in a short amount of time frame as possible. But things like that, like we we're talking about, your fifty four films you purchased the last week or so. Just chuck one of those films onto your Blu ray player and watch it on a beautiful, sexy TV screen instead of trying to deal with a weird-ass aspect ratio on your phone. Like, come oh, on, people. Just stream one. Do something. Just watch it. Just watch it normally. Do anything yeah. other than what TikTok, yeah. you psychopaths. <laughs> like, that's me being naive, not even thinking, yeah, there's there's TikTok cinema now or yeah. something like, ah, oh, so it. dumb. Shocked. <laughs> All right, the next bit of news I've titled, in case anyone forgot, if you swat, you <clears throat> are a twat. So Ned Luke, the actor behind GTA 5 main character Michael DeSanta, has been swatted while playing the game for fans in a Thanksgiving live stream. <laughs> Luke's stream ended abruptly last week as sirens were heard in the background and as he received a call warning him that the police were outside. And then he goes to say, oh, nice, he said. All right, I've got to go. Now these assholes have swatted my house. Hours later, with the incident apparently resolved, Luke posted on social media to respond to fans concerned that GTA 5 itself had leaked the actor's location via his IP address. And then he uh, jumped on Twitter and, or X and said the following, you're jumping to some large-ass conclusions. This had nothing to do with Rockstar. These assholes leaked my private info years ago and have been doing this shit since. Anyone's info is available online if you are sick enough to really want to find it. So, man, I hate this swatting shit for one. Like, I hope whoever did it ends up in jail because it's some pretty serious offenses in the States to do this kind of stuff. But there's nothing funny or edgy or cool about this type of action because we've seen in some of these scenarios, people have been fucking shot getting swatted because they act accordingly when the FBI or the police are trying to bust in their door for doing nothing wrong. Like it is a high stress situation and people doing this for the lols deserve a big old kick in the face. Yep. I didn't know it still happened. And it's like, how, what is happening? What is the communication to the police to get them to go to said house to knock down doors and what is kind of the the vetting the vetting process of that is there a vetting process can you just go fuck it go down like what what i don't understand from from my understanding a lot of it's like uh, i like i'm a neighbor i'm across the road from 162 evergreen terrace i've heard a gunshot or like a woman scream mm-hmm. or something like that just to create that that escalation point where the police are like, well, fuck, there's there's a violent act here, potential murder. So they go in, 
as American police seem to do, going all guns blazing and, and escalate and escalate instead of de-escalating any scenarios, even though it's just a dude trying to live stream GTA five for fans <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Like it's terrifying. Like if this happened to me, I think I'd shit myself at the same time as, as have a heart attack. Like it'd be the most embarrassing way to go. But yeah, there's nothing fun about this, man. It happened to you, Brendan. Then you'd know you'd made it. Yeah, that's you true. You're famous. Well done. That's true. Yeah, listeners, where, where's my? Well, we don't have SWAT here. Where, where's no. my? Uh, well, I guess that's just the term that's known as it. But where, where's, where's my police barricade situation happening where they knock down the door and freak out my dogs while I'm midstream or mid podcast? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't actually consider that a challenge to anybody out there. Please leave me alone. Please leave everybody alone with this stuff because it sucks and it's cruel and it's disgusting, and it's stress that people don't need in their lives. Crazy people. Yeah, just remember, listeners, if you swat, you are a twat. All right, so that brings us to the end of the news, but we're going to quickly jump over to this. Tweet of the week. And this tweet has caused quite the firestorm out there on the internet. So it came by at Rave of Rivendale by a man called Mike Rose. And the tweet first reads, it's time for another classic Mike Rose stats tweet thread this time, it's in regards to Spirit T launch week stats. So they launched Spirit T last Monday, so um, about two weeks or so now at time of recording, and it's been one of our biggest launches to date. At a glance, $1 million in sale during week one, 150,000 players across PC, Switch, and Game Pass, profitable on day one, and they go into a lot more positive spin there as far as this game crushing ass the last couple of weeks. And then he goes on to further say, it's been a fascinating launch due to where the game has been most successful. Usually do very well on Steam. Then the console versions catch up in the months afterwards. For Spirit T, Steam was our weakest platform with Xbox and Switch accounting for 80% of the revenue. Goes on to share more details in regards to that. But then if you sort of scroll down beyond all of the Game Pass and Steam and Switch data, he then uh, goes on to say, a hugely noticeable thing that happened during this launch was that we got absolutely zero YouTube coverage at all. Go search Spirit T on YouTube and you'll see there's just a couple of big videos. Nearly every YouTuber who got back to us wanted money to make a video. Now, look, I get it. That's just how it works now. YouTubers want to pay their, want you to pay them to cover their games. All right, sure. But I just don't want to do that. It feels weird and icky and disingenuous and I just can't do it. So I guess our games won't get covered on YouTube anymore. Of course, the fact that we still managed to $1 million launch without any influencer support makes me think, what could we have achieved if I did pay some people? So maybe I'll be forced to do it in the future. But God, I really just don't want to. It's fucking ugh. And so off the back of this tweet thread, the <laughs> internet got the pitchforks, got every sharp and blunt object they could and came for Mike Rose because... I don't know about you, but I feel like he, he's justified in some of his thought process there, but just the wording he used was very tone deaf, like where he's talking about that they got no support at all, mm. yet all these small content creators and little press outlets and budding uh, bloggers who said, hey, we covered your game, we wrote about it, we filmed video about it, we put you know, tens of hours into creating this content that we shared to the world and you're saying we did nothing. Yeah. That's where it is the misstep for me. Like I think there is a line about paying content creators for visibility of a product for sure because, yeah, it can be disingenuous. If you're getting paid to do something, you naturally want to probably talk it up even if it is not worth talking up. But at the same time, 
there is a lot of people doing good out there that got just railroaded pretty hard by uh, old Mike Rose's statements. But where do you stand on this? Because I noticed a lot of very varied discourse in the the ANZ community, especially. Some people were completely on the side of Mike and be like, yeah, fuck these creators. And then the other side, they were like, no, fuck you, Mike. This is totally <laughs> deaf and wrong. Where do you stand? I'm probably more on the side of um, kind of agreeing with him. And I understand, mm-hmm. like, I get your point. He, he should definitely not use that wording of, like, we got zero coverage when he's showcase, like, screenshot those small YouTubers with, like, thousands of views or, like, I think the top one was, like, 40K reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be more of, like, a thankful to those people that we got that but it could have been more if said thing had happened um i guess the biggest thing it did was kind of spark that talking point of content creation influences um getting paid for coverage and then if you think all the years you know a back ago and kind of a lot of people throwing criticism at traditional media or journalisms or big outlets and kind of you're paid for the x opinion why would i trust you know an IGN, GameSpot, or Kotaku, whatever. Mm. Why would I trust these big things? Oh, they're they're killing X game or they're, they're shields because they're giving all the Nintendo games 10s or all this stuff. So um, it's weird that I just find it off-putting that discussion because it, it's kind of tied into this where people have that opinion of outlets on a traditional media basis and they're like, oh, I trust you know, I trust Brendan over here from 8-Bit to give me the... that he's going he's gonna to tell it to me how it is or Buddy from wherever I'm, I'm at, I'm like, he's going to be, it's going to be a genuine opinion. Like I trust this guy. I'm like, who, who am I? Like, if I can only get coverage from a place I'm, you know, I'm not an outlet. Like if I shit can something that pretty much can cut off my relationship with you know, someone from getting a free game, a free movie, going to screenings, all that kind of stuff. So there's this weird thing of relationship uh, with content creators and influencers and how their opinions are kind of shaped by the type of coverage and access they, they get less so than, I guess, your traditional media uh, and opinions. I'm not saying that all content creators, influencers are disingenuous in kind of their uh, the relationships with uh, the people they have and what they get and, and how they give, because that's definitely not the case. But it's a slippery slope, and there's definitely a portion of the internet that are, are that. And uh, it's kind of like um, James from Well Played uh, like put it kind of the best. It was kind of like a a lot of the content creators and they're replying to that tweet. It was like a mask off moment saying that they wanted to get paid for this thing um, because they were like kind of marketing the game. And it's like a slippery slope when you're an influencer or content creator and you're wanting to be paid to cover said game or have access to something early for that. And at what point do you become an ad or a part of the marketing cycle mm-hmm. or sponsored or, and, and how do you go about kind of um, being transparent in, in saying that you are you know like I me mean? like on the show you've got your sponsors right so it's clear that you are sponsored you say say that at the start of the thing whereas sometimes there's just none of that and it's like this is the best thing in the world okay you got that for free is that we don't, we, it's not kind of declared it's not done so it's a slippery slope i'm all I'm, I'm kind of once again my pessimistic view is uh more on the side of <laughs> i guess uh, traditional me- media or kind of those kind of um structures because i feel like there's kind of i just i guess when i'm looking at an outlet or something i always see if they've ever given bad criticism to things or they're only ever given positive criticism and then i guess you can kind of uh, weigh up whether you can kind of trust a, a person a creator an outlet or something like that so 
definitely a slippery slope, but I, I understand. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the wording was kind of not the greatest, um, but I feel like the sentiment or the message or what he was kind of trying that kind of have come out of it, uh, I kind of on, on that side of it. Yeah, he certainly... Uh, <laughs> he kicked a took, bee's took, nest. He took his licks because he followed up uh, like two days later from that and the tweet was like, hey, everyone, I've really fucked up and I'm massively sorry. I've been reading your comments and replies and it's clear that I've completely missed the mark. I absolutely value the work that YouTubers and content creators do and my words didn't reflect that at all. I'm going to be reading loads more on all this and get better educated so I can be less of a dickhead in the future. So I, I respect him for owning mm, up and yes. going through because there was so much fire getting thrown at him from every angle and it kind of sucks because it then lessens how good of a, a launch Spirit T had because now it's sort of got this black mark where indirectly spirit t doesn't give a shit about small content creators and, and small bloggers and, and budding media starlets so hopefully that doesn't impact the game negatively down the line but yeah i think just just be honest with your opinions and you can like you can shit can something or you can talk negatively about or towards <sighs> something in a constructive way like you can't just say game or film xy it's a piece of shit the end like you can be like i didn't enjoy it it's not good i wouldn't recommend seeing it because of xyz like there's ways where you can try and formulate your words and your metacritic score or your out of 10 score or you know whatever your metric is in a way that people can go okay i see why that's a three but also the thing that they said wasn't for them. Maybe that part is for me, so I'll still give it a look instead of it just being this is crap. Throw it in the bin, burn it down. So yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with with criticism, positive or negative, as long as it's done constructively and people can sort of break that apart and work out how you got to that final opinion or that final number. So yeah, it's it's dicey because yeah, content creators are starting to have more sway than traditional mm. media due to the fact that. You know, what you mentioned earlier regarding TikTok and things like that, people want that instant access. They want that instant response and people can jump on TikTok, Instagram, X, whatever, and have their 60 second video and opinion piece on product X and it'll reach millions of people instantaneously as opposed to clicking through IGN or GameSpot or whatever. Like it's, it's starting to really blur the lines as far as where you get your source of truth from, where you get your opinions from and I think just just aligning your values with a creator or a media member where you can appreciate and trust their opinions, that's the big thing. Whether mm. they're working for IGN or Johnny Bravo does gaming.net or something. Like <laughs> if they've got an opinion that that you can resonate with and you go, you know what, that's a that's a good guy or a good girl or a good human. I like what they're saying. I feel I'm gonna take their word moving forward as far as a source of truth for my gaming or my film, instead of just accepting everything is gospel all the time. Like there's nothing wrong with questioning, seeing constant tens and constant perfection because we learn that not many things in the world's perfect. So it's, it's hard to see tens constantly from outlets and go, Hmm, who's paying you fella? Who's uh who's on the take here? Because this seems a little disingenuous, even though I've used that word a handful of times. I like that word. And I think that perfectly summarizes <laughs> what's going on here, but uh, yeah, shout out to spirit T they've done well. Mike Rose and his, uh, proclamations about how well the game is done was a little bit of a misstep but he's since learnt from all the backlash and uh, we can move forward i want to know what it's done for the game i want to know the sales yeah. uh, i want to know the sales of that game since he's done that because it also launched on game pass as well but like has it has it been like a spike <laughs> as well from that yeah 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at his Twitter feed now and I can't see anything about Profile is any locked. follow-ups. <laughs> uh, I don't know if his, his Twitter bio has always said that in his description, but now it just says this place is the worst. So I don't know <laughs> if that was recent off the back of the tweet. But uh, yeah, but they've they've got a, 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 a one-yin plushie for the game that is half-funded at makeship.com. So Maybe there's still some positive uh, uptake. He, yeah, he hasn't really tweeted anything since apologizing on the 23rd. So I think he's taken his licks and now he's uh, just just hiding out of the public eye because the internet can be pretty scary, buddy. But something else that can be scary is this. Miss Allie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. And buddy, this week I'm going to be taking you through a little old game that I like to call Who Am I? So I'm going to be giving you a series of facts or information or trivia about a film or a game or a character and you need to narrow it down. So uh, the the earlier you get it, the more points you get. I've got, I think, 18 18 facts or 18 hints here that you can work on all and right. so going from the first one you could get 18 points all the way down to mm. one so are you ready to play who am i I suppose so the pressure's on all right the first fact that could get you 18 points i recently celebrated my 25th anniversary 25th anniversary so what's that uh, let's do the math that's three that's two 17 that's 98 baby 98 1998 98 okay so for video game what's an n64 era maybe ps1 era uh, you ready for the next hint yeah let's go another one okay so this will narrow it down to <clears throat> the realm for sure i am one of quentin tarantino's favorite games and he's even stated that he would one day like to make a film adaptation of me damn oh fuck i wish i'd known that <laughs> damn it oh man um Shit, 25th anniversary. Mm. And one of Mr. Tarantino's favorites. I feel like it would be like a story-based thing, but uh, we'll go another clue. Okay. I was published by Sierra Studios. Sierra, Sierra. No, I'm not really familiar with uh, the publisher there. Okay, for 15 points, I have won more than 50 PC Game of the Year awards. PC? Mm -hmm. PC games? Oh my God, a weakness for me. Uh, geez, that old PC games. What's that old? Oh my God. Nah, let's go another clue. Okay. For 14 points, I currently hold a score of 96 on Metacritic. 96, that's a PC game. No chance. PC is pretty much exclusive stuff back then. Not, not a lot of stuff that's on PC and console. What's what's big in PC that's of all time? Portal, Half-Life, uh, Myst maybe around that era maybe that's a bit older do you want to go for 13 points the next hint yeah we'll go okay for 13 years i was the highest selling first person shooter of all time up until the release of call of duty modern warfare 3 in 2011 first person shooter god what do we got we got uh doom quake uh pc doom quake Duke Nukem. Um, the next one? Yeah, let's go to the next one. For 12 points, the game is built on the Quake engine from 1996 and had support for direct 3D hardware acceleration and 
and skeletal animations. I know that one doesn't give you much at all. Maybe quake the next one will help. Engine, so it's it's like post quake. <laughs> yeah, so all it's right. post quake. So it's using a, a mixture of the the quake it skeletal engine. skeletal stuff. All right. During the game, you do battle with aliens from the planet Zen. I'm no, I've got no idea. All right, for 10 points, I made the crowbar famous, which was used both for melee and puzzle-solving purposes. Crowbar. No, I just don't play... I'm not the PC game of that era. It's a fucking... Crowbar, first person, skeletal things. It's fucking... For nine points... I feel like that's older, the game I'm thinking of. Maybe. For nine points, I'll just say head crabs. No. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Seriously. This is just okay. not my era of uh, PC for games. Eight, for eight points, even though they share the same surname as the protagonist, the protagonist is not related to either Morgan or Kathy Freeman. So the protagonist's surname is Freeman. <laughs> Freeman? No. I, I, uh... I got nothing. I got nothing. I just don't know this game. I, I'm gonna know the game. I'm just—it's—it's it's a game I've just never played. Okay. The protagonist does not say one single word in the game. Fuck! It's gonna be so obvious, isn't it? <laughs> in 2012, fans created a remake of me called Black Mesa, which uses the latest version of the Source engine. <laughs> this remake has completely redone graphics, new character models, and some new voiceovers. I got nothing. I got nothing. I was the debut game developed by Valve Corporation. Valve. So that's, uh, Valve is Half-Life. Valve is Half-Life. That's right. It's Half-Life. It is Half-Life. My God. You I got there. I said it so long ago, though. You did. And I'm like, oh, shit. He's in. He's gone. I will. Oh, man. I should have just had a crack. You should have. I should have just had a crack. There you go. I've never played Half-Life. That's okay. You got uh, you got seven points. Yeah, I'm just so going to wait fine. for Half-Life 2 to come out. Half-Life 2 is... No, you got to wait for Half-Life 3. Oh, Half-Life 2... Half-Life 2 exists. There's just not a third. That's but Half-Life right, yeah. Alex came out on VR, which is that's a right. ton of fun too. Uh, what was the orange box? Was that What did that include? Um, Half-Life as well as... Portal portal and God, i'm blanking on the 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 first person multiplayer game because i never played portal and i think i missed out on that in ps3 era and i feel like portal could be a potential one of my favorite games ever if i ended up playing it and um my mate keeps telling me to play it and he knows i love the witness and all these other puzzle kind of solving games but they recently did that portal collection that was only on switch so i'm kind of waiting like Will it come to PlayStation? Maybe. Because that's where Maybe. I play everything and we'll probably play and actually finish it instead of just buying it and picking up and playing one hour of it. It's so great, Portal. But yeah, the orange box comes with Half-Life 2 as well as Episode 1 and 2 in that. It's got Portal and it's also got Team Fortress 2. That's the multiplayer game I was blanking on a second ago. So. There you go. Well worth the time, but hey, got seven points. I'll you can take bank it. those. I'll take bank seven those points. for a rainy day. Is there like a leaderboard of people that have done this? Am I like 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 the Top Gear, the Stig, or you're, something? You're about middle. Yeah, you're not quite up there with the Stig. Yeah, but you're not you're not down the bottom with the. I'll stack. take that. You're, you're right in the middle. I'll take it. 
All right. So, uh, yeah, Half-Life celebrating its 25th anniversary the last week or so. So shout out to uh, Valve and, um, yeah, Gordon Freeman is the the silent protagonist who is uh, not related <laughs> to Kathy or Morgan. Oh, so many all. other people would have got that like fucking six questions ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, to hell with it. Let's move on to this. Right, Pete. The week that's yet to come presented by Dash Water. All right. As far as things that you guys can consume this coming week, more Than Hentai has released another episode which covers Parasite the Maxim, which is one of the best science fiction horror anime of all time, in my humble opinion. So on all podcast platforms, as far as films coming out, we've got Bottoms, The Eight Mountains, Godzilla Minus One, Trolls Band Together, and Uproar events this week. You can check out uh, Mint Rocket's next game, which is the uh, the studio behind Dave the Diver. And that is called Nakwon Last Paradise. They've got uh, a pre-alpha running from the 29th of November through to the 4th of December. Looks creepy, looks impressive, and looks nothing like Dave the Diver. <laughs> uh, as far as other games coming out this week, Biomutant making its way to Switch, Gangs of Sherwood, Hitman Blood Money, Reprisal on the smartphone, Turok 3, Shadow of Oblivion Remastered, Everywhere, Batman Arkham Trilogy on the Switch, Dragon Quest Monsters The Dark Prince on the Switch, SteamWorld Build Everywhere, a Highland song on Switch and PC, Disney Dreamlight Valley making its way in its full release finally across every platform. Also see Skater XL on the Switch, Sonic Dream Team on iOS, The Anacrusis on Xbox and PC, The Lord of the Rings Return to Moria on PlayStation 5, Vampire The Masquerade Swan Song on the Switch. So buddy, there is an assortment of things to do, whether it be playing, listening, or watching. What are you going to be doing this week coming up? Uh, none of the games interest me there, so I'll probably be <laughs> uh, wanting to see Bottoms. I've been keen on seeing that for quite a while now. It's been out overseas for a while, and it's mm-hmm. been available to procure uh, various uh, non-legal methods, but I've been holding out because I want to see it in the cinemas. And uh, yeah, it looks kind of very funny, kind of like a, a female fight club during high school. Um, it's from the same writer that did uh, and director that did Shiva Baby. Uh, as Rachel... Uh, sonnet on senate on her name um she was in bodies 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 and um she's fantastic okay i'm very keen have to add that to my list because yeah i knew nothing about it apart from just seeing the uh the poster and i'm like yeah it looks interesting i'll I'll, I'll read you the synopsis uh pj and josie start a fight club as a way to lose their virginities to cheerleaders the fight club gains traction and soon the most popular girls in schools are beating each other up in the name of self-defense but the pair find themselves in over their heads and in need of a way out before their plan is exposed okay I am fully invested in bottoms already. Just hearing that synopsis, like, let's go. Maybe I'm going to go to the cinemas this weekend as well and check that out. And also, I want to go see Godzilla Minus One because apparently it is fantastic and it is heavy in all the right ways. So, uh, yeah, we can't escape the monsters at the moment. We can't escape (laughs) Godzilla. Monarch, I've watched the third episode of that last week. It is building very nicely. But, yeah, keen to see Godzilla Minus One as well. But, no, plenty of things to do this coming week before we edge our way closer to Christmas, which scares the bejesus out of me. But buddy, that brings us to the end of another episode of THG. Anything you wanted to mention or shout out before we turn these mics off for a little while? Not really, but a big week next week. Uh, the Game Awards, of course, uh, on its way will be big predictions. So, uh, of mm-hmm. course, we've got the the double or nothing bet uh, that we're doing across the five or six categories that we've chosen. So a lot of pressure in the week coming up for, uh, for both of us, I think, in making our selections and could be a pizza on the line here. 
I'm, I'm excited for that. And yeah, we will unveil all our predicted winners on episode 344 of THG. And yeah, see who comes home with that delicious pizza pie. What is your what is your go-to pizza order? I know you do some stuff <laughs> with like like pepperoni and you get like chili added to it, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's um pepperoni with chili flakes, oregano, uh, add mushroom and... Sometimes I get cheesy crust. I'm less on the cheesy crust now, um, but then I'll add feta. So add Ooh. feta as a cheese. And then I'll get two garlic aioli dipping sauces. And then as I'm eating it, I'll dip the pizza in the sauce, um, specifically when I get the crust too. So I'll still do it for normal, but yeah, I get two of them. So one of them will usually, if I ration it well, will be four slices <laughs> each. And then, uh, yeah, it works. Yeah, listeners, if you haven't done aioli or ranch dipping sauce for your pizza, especially like a pepperoni-based pizza or just a red sauce-based pizza, do it because it just adds so much more bang to your bite. I did um, went back to Domino's for the first time in a long time over the weekend because I got suckered in on the Black Friday sales. I got a message <laughs> saying two-for-one pizzas today, and I'm like, damn it, Domino's, you got me. So I, I jumped back in because I had the hots for what's in the box with the dots, and I ordered a pepperoni. I added a, an aioli drizzle to it, which I which I love to do, get yep. a little bit of that tang. But they're also doing a cheesy garlic crust pizza at Domino's now. Oh, I tried and, that. Oh, my I, God. I tried it once, and it was – I think it made me sick Like I, because I ate the whole pizza. It was just like cheesy garlic crust, uh, dipping it in garlic ranch sauce and just pepperoni and having all the other chili flakes. And, and I think I'm lactose intolerant. Um well, like a little bit. I think I'm getting better now. <laughs> but uh, for a good portion there, it was just like, yeah, this this is just destroying you. So it feels good when you eat it. But then like the next day or something, I always like vow like I'm never going to eat pizza again. And then next week I'm, I'm, I'm back there. I live next to Domino's. So it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, I, uh, I I was definitely regretting it the next morning. Yeah, my <laughs> insides were not feeling good. And, and that's the thing, like that crust is that cheesy and garlicky if you're not lactose intolerant prior to eating the pizza yeah. i feel you definitely are afterwards because my insides were screaming <laughs> i woke up like with the worst stomach pains at like eight in the morning on the saturday going domino you <laughs> forsaken me but like you said i'll be back on the pizza train yeah boy in the coming days because uh i just can't quit you you beautiful round fantastic delicious thing well uh just uh make sure you don't win the uh the predictions and your uh, insides will be safe mate oh no i I like to live a life of danger. So, uh, yeah, bring on those predictions and bring on those ratings and reviews to this podcast or the other podcasts listen to on the regular because they mean the world to us. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, find me at Brendan 8-Bit, find Buddy at BuddyWatson12. Much love. Stay hungry. I'll see you around.